0: coming up. What an excellent day for Mary.
1: Uh,
0: paging Father Marin, Father Marin. <laughs> Well, howdy folks, and welcome to Minute 102 of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we endeavor to examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist, Minute by Terrifying Minute. My name is Lester Ryan Clark.
1: And I'm Keenan Diaz.
0: And we'll be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. Okay, so, our minute begins with Maren saying thank you, having just been invited in by Chris.
1: And it ends with Sharon trying to listen to the goddamn radio.
0: Yes, will you keep it down in their rags? For Christ's sake, Judas Priest... No.
1: Um... (laughs) This is actually a pretty heavy
0: scene, so let's get right into it. Uh, You'll remember last time Father Marin, our exorcist, had finally arrived, and we finally understood that he was the man in Iraq, the man in khakis all the way back in the beginning of the film. He comes to us now in a long black coat and a black hat, but as much as he is dressed like the personification of bad news, we can't help but feel that hope has come home to the McNeil house.
1: Well, that is not how you dress if you're telling you that you want the publisher's clearing house. No, no, no. no, no. (laughs) Mrs. McNeil. I'm afraid you've won the publisher's clearinghouse $526,000 a year for the rest of your life. I'm sorry. Oh, God, no.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. This is the first day of the rest of your life. No. (laughs) But no, I actually like this juxtaposition, kind of the Mm -hmm. the outward uh, visage that he is presenting. And what he actually represents in this story just yeah, he looks Good news.
1: undertaker or something exactly right he looks i know it's a later movie but he looks like the um the dude on the poster for amadeus yes <laughs> who in that movie it turns out that that's they do a bunch of things so it's on the poster and he's a spooky guy and he's like mm-hmm. oh he's like mm-hmm. over the whole city you're like oh no that's amadeus yeah. he's gonna get you turns that's out not the amadeus, amadeus. <laughs> right. watch out
0: he's the, the amadeus <laughs> is gonna get mozart <laughs> oh
1: no <laughs> right then it turns out that guy as you watch the movie is not Amadeus. It's mm-hmm. not Mozart. It's it's a and then it's kind of a good um, a good character. But then they use it again as a bad character. They do some things there Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he looks like that. Like your initial, um, I guess not even your viewing of Amadeus, but you as a child looking and seeing the the, the movie in the movie store, the video store. Right. <laughs> so you're like, oh God, mom, I don't want us to have an Amadeus. <laughs> who's that? Who's that guy? He's going to get Mozart,
0: <laughs> and then we'll never have a, 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 a Requiem. <laughs> Think of think of something, Lester. Jesus you're, Christ!
1: You're like, oh, I like Lacrimosa. That. You're like the five year old Lester. <laughs> <laughs> Magic like, We need to protect the Requiem Mass. <laughs> right then, your parents are like, "Wouldn't you rather? Wouldn't you rather watch this Polly Shore movie?" <laughs> right, like you got to calm down, kid. You're way too serious. <laughs> you got to watch Jury Duty with Polly Shore. <laughs>
0: Jury duty mother. Is that is that one where, where Polly Shore has to has to decide the fate of a man who who had no choice but to kill? <laughs> we grapple with, with the human condition and and the the, the the problem of evil. Oh
1: god. All right, we're gonna rent Rockadoodle again for the tenth time.
0: <laughs> oh goody!
1: Actually, Rockville is very dark. Now, that yes, it is. But, yeah, <laughs> I think I meant Rover Danger. We're going to read. Oh, okay, Danger. okay, okay. Oh no, but they they take Rover Danger <laughs> yes. and they and they put him in a sack and throw yeah. him off the Hoover Dam.
0: Yes, that one is also death. very dark. There's actually there's also like <laughs> after that, oh. um, uh, the farmer that adopts him thinks he killed right. a chicken and has to. Like, take him out back and almost shoot, he doesn't shoot him, he doesn't shoot Rodney Dangerfield, folks, right. but Rover like, Dangerfield. Ro- well, yeah, well, come on, like, who are we kidding? Um, but the, like, the animation for that is like, you know, Rover turns his back on the farmer and he's just like shaking uncontrollably as this, as this farmer has, you know, like a change of heart, but it's like, mm. oh my God, hey everybody, we're all gonna get spayed. <laughs>
1: All right. That's not us turning those movies dark just to be clear. No, 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 no. no. So in Rover Dangerfield, they are they, trying to kill this dog the entire in, yeah. in real serious ways, not like by hitting him with a hammer or an
0: Right. Or there's it. no there's no looney tune <laughs> like they are there trying to murder,
1: murder this dog. This dog who knows how to wear a tie. Yes. And then like yeah, in Rockadoodle, that's where they take the rooster away from the happy farm and so yeah. the sun never comes up. And so back <laughs> at the farm everything becomes dark and dank and, and it starts to flood for some reason because yeah. it throws the weather off and all the farm animals are are dying and drowning waiting for rockadoodle to Come back and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. de Clare, I mean, this is yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, and then uh, yeah, that, that's real serious stuff, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, let's get to some uh, lighter things like the ending of the exorcist,
0: yeah, let's do it, <laughs> but yeah, um, <clears throat> actually, folks, before we get into this minute, I would like to read to you from the first chapter of the fourth and final part of our book. This is mm-hmm. the scene in which Marin arrives at the house, so here we go, everyone, open your books, it is time for. A reading from the Book of Blay Part 4 And let my cry come unto thee Chapter 1 Chiming of the doorbell Karis glanced toward the sound, then at Chris, who met his look of surmise with a questioning, apprehensive lifting of an eyebrow. Kinderman? Seconds ticked by as they sat and listened. No one was coming to answer. Willie was resting in her room, and Sharon and Carl were upstairs. Tense, Chris abruptly got up from the table and went to the living room, where... Kneeling on a sofa, she parted a curtain and peered furtively through the window at her caller. No, not Kinderman, thank God. It was a tall, old man in a threadbare black raincoat and black felt hat. His head bowed patiently in the rain, as at his side he was gripping a black valise. For an instant, a silvery buckle gleamed in streetlamp glow as the bag shifted slightly in his grip. Who on earth is that? Another doorbell chime. Puzzled, Chris got down off the sofa and walked to the entry hall she opened the front door slightly squinting out into darkness as a fine mist of rain brushed across her eyes the man's hat brim obscured his face yes hello can i help you mrs McNeil came a voice from the shadows gentle and refined yet as full as a harvest as the stranger reached up to remove his hat chris was nodding her head and then suddenly she was looking into eyes that overwhelmed her that shone with intelligence and kindly understanding with serenity that poured from them into her being like the waters of a warm and healing river whose source was both in him and yet somehow beyond him, whose flow was contained and yet headlong and endless. "'I'm Father Lancaster Marin,' he said. For a moment, Chris stared blankly at the lean and aesthetic face, at the sculptured cheekbones polished like soapstone. Then, quickly, she flung wide the door. "'Oh, my gosh, please come in. "'Oh, come in. "'Gee, (sighs) I'm—honestly, I I don't know where my—' "'He entered.' And she closed the door. I mean, I didn't expect you until tomorrow, Chris finished. Yes, I know, she heard him saying. As she turned around to face him, she saw him standing with his head angled sideways, glancing upward as if he were listening. No, more like feeling, she thought, for some presence out of sight, for some distant vibration that was known and familiar. Puzzled, Chris studied him. His skin seemed weathered by a sun that shone elsewhere, somewhere remote from her time and her place. What's he doing? "'Can I take that bag for you, Father?' "'It's all right,' he said softly, "'still feeling, still probing. "'It's like part of my arm, very old, very battered.' "'He looked down with a warm, tired smile in his eyes. "'I'm accustomed to the weight. "'Is Father Karras here?' "'Yes, he is. He's in the kitchen. "'Have you had any dinner, Father Marin?' "'Marin did not answer. "'Instead, he flicked his glance upward "'at the sound of a door being opened. "'Yes, I had some on the train. "'Are you sure you wouldn't like something else?' "'No answer.' Then the sound of the door being closed. Maron's warm gaze came back to Chris. No, thank you, he said. You're very kind. Still flustered. Gee, all this rain, Chris babbled. If I'd known you were coming, I, I could have met you at the station. It's all right. Did you have to wait long for a cab? A few minutes. I'll take that, Father. Carl. He descended the stairs very quickly and now slipped the bag from the priest's easy grip and took it down the hall. We've put a bed in the study for you, Father. Chris was fidgeting. It's really very comfortable. I, I thought you'd like the privacy. I'll show you where it is. She'd started moving, then stopped. Or would you like to say hello to Father Karras? I should like to see your daughter first. Right now, you mean, Father? Chris said doubtfully. Marin glanced upward again, with that air of distant attentiveness. Yes, now, he said. I think now. Gee, I'm sure she's asleep. I think not. Well, if suddenly Chris flinched at a sound from above, at the voice of the demon, booming and yet muffled, croaking like an amplified premature burial, it called out, and then, the massive and shiveringly hollow jolt of a single sledgehammer blow against the bedroom wall. God Almighty, Chris breathed out as she clutched a pale hand against her chest. Stunned, she looked at Marin. The priest hadn't moved. He was still staring upward, intense and yet serene. And in his eyes, there was not even a hint of surprise. It was more, Chris thought, like recognition. Another blow shook the walls. <laughs> The Jesuit moved slowly forward, oblivious of Chris, who was gaping in wonder, of Carl stepping lithe and incredulous from the study, of Karis emerging bewildered from the kitchen while the nightmarish poundings and croakings continued. Maron went calmly up the staircase, a slender hand like alabaster sliding upward on the banister. Karis came up beside Chris, and together they watched from below as Marin entered Reagan's bedroom and closed the door behind him. For a time, there was silence. Then... Abruptly, the demon laughed hideously, and Marin swiftly exited the room, closed the door, and then moved quickly down the hall, while behind him the bedroom door opened again, and Sharon poked her head out, staring after him with an odd expression on her face. Marin descended the staircase rapidly and put out his hand to the waiting Karis. Father Karis! Hello, Father. Marin had clasped Karis's hand in both of his. He was squeezing it, searching the younger priest's face with a look of gravity and concern, while upstairs the hideous laughter turned to vicious obscenities directed at Marin. You look terribly tired," Maren said. "Are you tired? No. Good. Do you have your raincoat here with you? No, I don't. Well, then, here, take mine," said the gray-haired Jesuit, unbuttoning the rain-sprinkled coat. "I should like you to go to the residence, Damien, and gather up a cassock for myself, two surplices, a purple stole, some holy water, and two copies of the Roman ritual—the large one." He handed his raincoat to the puzzled Caris. "I believe we should begin." Caris frowned. "You mean now? Right away? Yes, I think so. Don't you want to hear the background of the case first? Why?" And that's where our minute ends, so that's where I'm gonna stop for now. Mm So, Kenan, um, what do we think of Maren's entrance in the book? It's a little different from what we get in the film.
1: It's a lot of little differences that really add up, right? It's a lot Mm -hmm. of tiny little things. So um, the fact that we see it from Chris's perspective in the book as opposed to uh, in the movie where we see uh, Maren in Woodstock and then sort Mm -hmm. of travel with him and he's thinking about Captain Howdy or Captain Howdy's thinking about him or vice versa, right? Mm -hmm. And then we enter the house through his eyes. uh, But we have instead a lot of Chris like going, oh, I'm embarrassed about – Getting caught unawares, and I'm trying to size right. up Marin. Uh, so being in Chris's head rather than in Marin's perspective is very right. different. Yeah. And then also, right, the fact that he wants to go up and see Reagan right away. Yes. We have a different version of that, right? These are minor little things, but they sort Mm -hmm. of add up. We have a different version of that in the movie where he wants to get started. And uh, in our minute, we'll see Damien not wanting to get started right away, but Maren wants to. But it doesn't mean literally going into the room yet.
0: Right. You're exactly... Yeah. So there's... there's um, In both versions, uh, Maren wants to just get right to work. Mm -hmm. But there's this slight little difference here where uh, he also wants to, even before... I guess it's like the pre... um, um, exorcism. He wants to go and kind of um, assess the situation, mm-hmm. maybe. Right? right. Or just I don't know. Just maybe like you know, like show his face to
1: Captain Howdy or something. Uh, you know? Yeah. Be like, what now, bitch? Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm here in your room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm touching your stuff. No, <laughs> no, 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 oh, no. I broke those records last week. Don't touch them. No. <laughs>
0: But actually, like we're joking here, folks. But they, like we're gonna find out because remember, Sharon kind of like pokes her head mm-hmm. out after Marin leaves, so she knows what happened in that room. Something mm-hmm. happened, right. um, and she's gonna she's gonna reveal it a little bit later. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is the version that I'm f- more familiar with, this book version, um, and perhaps that's why I was saying last time that I associate Marin's presence and his entrance with a feeling of comfort and safety, um, because that's in the text, but. Also, just the idea that you are the hero. You are the knight in shining armor that we were waiting for and also thought wasn't going to come. You are the title character, the exorcist. And you show up without the pomp and circumstance without the um you know like where you got to make them believe that you are who you say you are right mm-hmm. like in, in Hercules it's like, it's like oh it looks like what you folks need is a hero right <laughs> or or like like Karis answers the door and it's like Marin I I thought you were dead I thought that exorcism killed you and, and Maron's like no it only damn near killed me right <laughs> or something like that right
1: <laughs> right you know just
0: to, just to kind of like you know it's like bur, 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 Marin's here you know everybody right mm hmm but no or, uh, the
1: father president and the father the father uh, Bishop come in and they and they're like this is Father Mayor and he's going to save you here and like oh thank God like someone that we already know is introducing and passing the mantle on to Mayor. exactly
0: yeah. yeah take it away father mayor yeah um but no there's 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 none of that um he enters and his his presence immediately makes us feel safe and he surprises the inhabitants of the house with how prepared and familiar with the situation he already is. He even surprises Chris, who this whole time has been waiting for somebody to fucking do something, waiting for the doctors, waiting for Karis. And he's, Marin is moving faster than her. Right. She has to catch up with him. She didn't expect him for another day. She lets him in. She's flustered. She starts making small talk, offering to take his bag, offering him something to eat to, to show him to the bed they made for him in the study. But he says, I should like to see your daughter first. And she is blindsided by this. And understandably, because this is the first person who is helping her without any bullshit. Mm-hmm. This is the first person to whom she doesn't have to explain herself. Or her daughter or her situation. She does not have to fence with him. And ironically, that catches her off guard. Mm -hmm. See that little fencing pun there, guys? (laughs) Um, What's the pun? (laughs) It catches her off guard. She's off her guard.
1: Oh, my God. See, folks, when you got to
0: explain it like that. (laughs) The fact that she doesn't have to fence with him. See. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, anyway, but yeah,
1: but he so, doesn't announce himself as a warrior. He's like, On God, everyone yeah, exactly right. And that's, yeah. what's, that's what that's what that's a warrior, right?
0: Right, right. Um, she was expecting another Karis, another Kinderman, another mm-hmm. male authority figure that she was going to have to dance with before he would help her. Right, mm-hmm. and she turns around and catches him already in tune with the situation even more than she is. He is sensing Captain Howdy. He knows that Reagan is not asleep. And immediately we see that he's right because before anyone can speak, the demon roars his name and everybody flinches except Marin. And they watch him slowly start walking up there alone. And now Karis is there. Everyone's there. And it's like, it's like they walked in on a fight that has been going on for years. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, This is Chris's house. This is Chris's story, Karis's story. And then this guy shows up, doesn't even take off his coat, doesn't even put down his bag. And suddenly the rest of the cast are children in a house where two adults are fighting. Even Karis, who is also a priest as well as a learned psychiatrist, becomes a child in Marin's presence. And Chris, who for 90% of this film has had to be the one fucking adult in the room, has been reduced to this childlike state. And Maren's not doing this intentionally. Uh, in fact, we'll see in other minutes when he does talk to them, he is so gentle and so kind and so patient. That's that's just what happens to people in Maren's presence because he is all of those things and he is them uh, truly and genuinely, right? He's not putting on a show. There's no ego. And I think that shakes people and makes them feel small. He is that person everyone is pretending to be. He, he is that impossible Christian ideal. And the fact that he gets right to walk in the walk without even bothering to talk the talk is what makes him, well— like, I'm going to say it again. Uh, I've said it for Chris. I've said it for Karis. I've said it for Kinderman and Howdy. But now that Father Marin is here, he's my favorite character for all those reasons. Um, <laughs> oh,
1: he wins you over with his, yeah, with his presence. Yeah. We, we see that in the movie a little bit of, uh, as we said, like in the in the last minute where we see Chris opening that door. And so we don't have a lot of the textual things that we have in the book of all the small talk and mm-hmm. and her explaining why she's surprised to see him and all that. But but Ellen Burstyn um, and the framing is making her seem smaller and more childlike yeah. and more gentle. And even like... um. You know, Chris is allowed uh, to be taken care of for the first time in the movie, as opposed to trying to do everything her on her on her own. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, maybe, maybe you know. She hasn't really been taken care of by another person since uh, Burke died, I suppose. Right.
0: Right. Because right, we had exactly. that moment
1: at the beginning where she's like, I have all these questions and Burke like, uh, you know, uh, like calms her down in a way that annoys her because she wants to be strong. But then we see her melting on her. Right. Right. Exactly. It's sort of like that, but in microcosm in, in to, and with the stranger that she doesn't yes. have this relationship with. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's just like, you know, it's just this juxtaposition of him. Being so gentle and so kind to Mm -hmm. the people that he is protecting. And then, you know, and that lulls you into thinking, it's like, oh, maybe maybe he's not that strong. Maybe he's just this, like, (laughs) kindly old man. But then he turns and addresses Howdy. He turns Mm -hmm. and addresses the thing that he is protecting them from. And that's when you see him as, like, a force to be reckoned with.
1: Yeah. In the book here, we have, uh, we're at the beginning of part four. And so we have a title, which is um, Let My Cry Come Unto These. So we've started part one with um, the beginning very mm-hmm. biblical part yes. 2 mm-hmm. the edge part 3 um, the abyss right uh-huh. which are not quite biblical they're more like um, existential philosophy ideas i mm-hmm, think mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and then part 4 but they four, call to mind like like images of you know sure. hell and you know right, the, right. i think i think though when we say like the Abyss, I don't know, I, I go to, um, you know, I looked into the abyss and the abyss looked back into oh, me, okay. you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 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 maybe maybe that's not as biblical as other people. Right. Uh, and then on our last one, we have a, a quote from Psalm 102. Mm-hmm. So that's the beginning of Psalm 102. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting when you read Psalm 102 that it is a lot about the relationship between um, the the speaker and God and worrying that God is ignoring you. Hmm. So I'm not going to read all of this psalm, but but there's yeah. parts of it I think are very interesting. So this is the King James Version. Okay, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Incline thine ear unto me in the day when I call. Answer me speedily. So it is like this speaker here um, is afraid that God is ignoring him and that, that yes. God will not listen. So, so it's not mm. like let my cry come unto thee. Like it always does. It is right. like I have experienced the um, the silence of God coming back to me. Yes. Um,
0: so it's more than just a simple like, Lord, hear my prayer.
1: Right. It is not just Lord, hear my prayer. It's Lord, hear my prayer because um, I'm suffering so much because I haven't gotten any evidence of you hearing right. my prayer. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we're skipping forward a little bit. Um, for I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping because of mm-hmm. thine indignation and thy wrath, for thou hast lifted me up and cast me down so I think it's interesting like having you know textually in uh, the psalm in the bible like the idea of of being disappointed in God previously mm, and blaming mm. God for suffering and so um, you know as Blatty is putting together a reference here this seems really apt to me and I was pretty shocked um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, revisiting this psalm and like looking at the text of it uh, it does go on you know so it's not all and it's not all disappointment in God the psalm goes on to be you know uplifting and like and I see that you're the only way and you are the light etc right mm-hmm. um, but yeah just even even having in the first act, if you will, of the psalm, being like, I don't know if you're even going to listen to this.
0: Right, right. That is like the first thing that I thought of was uh, the book of Job and uh-huh. Job is uh, is uh, calling out to God. And he's he's kind of like dancing the line between like yelling at God mm-hmm. and and blaming him, but then also just just ex- because he needs to, and, and the speaker of the psalm needs mm-hmm. to express themselves right. with how lost they feel and how they feel like they're not being heard. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of like this, um, uh, this
1: very, very thin line between it's like, hey,
0: yo, it's your fault, and oh, I hate you. You know, versus like, like why, why mm-hmm. won't you listen to
1: me? Right? right. And I don't, you know, at this, at the, at the risk of making it inelegant, uh, just to mm-hmm. point out that is that is a perfect way to think about what Damien is going through, right? I know, <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's just inelegant. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. I was going to say that until you just said it's inelegant. I, was like, so well, I was just like so maybe now I won't. Oh, is is, is our you know are our listeners at home are they like uh, like are going to feel like we're patronizing them? But like, like Damien, get it, <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> But that's no, exactly no, right?
0: Keenan. That's 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 uh, forty years on Blatty's job with uh, what's his name, Father Lucas. He's Father
1: Lucas, right? <laughs> he broke his legs in a fall. <laughs> Watch out for Sharon. Um, <laughs> um, I was looking also, and, and and again, I'm not an expert at all. But in the just the basic Wikipedia description of Psalm uh-huh. 102, it says mm-hmm. you know depending on how you break up the Psalms because it's different um, according to what Christian sect you're in, and then also with um with uh, with uh, Jews, right? Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that in some breakings up of it, Psalm 102, if you're looking at the um, uh, the traditional way that they break it up in Latin. Psalm uh-huh. 102 is the beginning of the last book of, of the book of Psalms. Uh-huh. Um, but I was having trouble finding that. Cause I, and I was trying to Google around and just double check that and not take Wikipedia <laughs> at right, its right. word. But um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm but I, I can't make heads or tails of it in the Latin but mm-hmm. on the Wikipedia article they're saying that when you would have an illuminated manuscript like in the right. old Latin versions of it it would be, um, you know, this beginning here in Latin would have this gigantic D that would take up half the page and right, very clearly right. the, the, the last part of the ending of the Book of Songs. Yeah.
0: And when we say like illuminated folks we mean like, um, like it's illustrated like you'll see right. those like um, kind of like painted um, uh, manuscripts like with, uh, you know, like uh, uh, depictions of um, Gregorian monks or something mm-hmm. like that, right? And then just giant stylistic letters and stuff. Yeah. Right.
1: So that is our, uh, the beginning of the end of the book of Psalms, the beginning mm-hmm. and the end of the novel The Exorcist yeah. and Psalm 102 on minute 102 of The Exorcist. <gasps> what? Do you feel lucky today? Should we go and, and <laughs> bet it all on red? <laughs> you, you, you Venmo me is everything thing is you Is that you were holding back from me that you were going to drop? <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's something else. Don't worry about oh, that. Okay, okay, Don't okay. you worry about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, no, Psalm I, 102 on minute 102, folks.
1: I just need you to Venmo me every dollar mm-hmm. you have. I'm going to go down to the Fountain Blue and bet it all on red. And I'll let Today's you know the what day, happens. folks. <laughs> Wherever
0: you are, stop what you're doing. Stop driving. Stop, uh, you know. Exactly. Buy a lottery
1: ticket. Right. Yeah. Drop your kids off on the side of the road. You'll find them yeah. later. Don't worry.
0: Just drop your kids. I don't need no, no. no.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have, uh, yeah, so this is Psalm 102 is the beginning of the end of the book of Psalms in that Latin. Uh, this is the beginning of the end of the book, Exorcist, and it's minute 102, Psalm 102 on the Exorcist. Yes.
0: Minute. Oh, and I love it. And yes, just like, oh, it's all so, it's so appropriate, right? Because <laughs> here we are. This is the beginning of the end of the story. I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. You you already said that. That's, uh, that's I'm great. Just no, repeating. that's right.
1: We're
0: I'm great. That yeah. <laughs> 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 was, uh, sorry, that was a little uh, inelegant of me. <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, anyway. Okay. So, um but yeah, okay. So, let's uh let's take a look at um this minute as it is presented to us in the film, okay? Mm-hmm. So, so Chris has let Marin in and we cut and we see Karis emerging into the hall from a room as Marin says, Is Father Karis here?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm trying to figure out uh what room that is that he came out of. It's gotta be it's gotta be Daddy's room because you can see the um the wood paneling through the open door.
1: Are we gonna right? get in another fist fight about the geography of this goddamn house? I this
0: goddamn
1: <laughs> eighty eight rooms, Christ. Uh I don't think it's daddy's room. I think that is the the staircase down to the basement. Oh.
0: What why
1: is he in the basement? I don't know. <laughs> but that is but that's a door what under reason the
0: reason does Karis have to, to be in the basement for? He's gonna go down and look at the, the, the Ouija board and was like, well that was a red herring.
1: Maybe he's he's painting, he's finger painting or something. Sure, sure. <laughs> but I, I think so because that's this is the this door is under the staircase. Right. And I think you can only get to daddy's room through the um through the kitchen and the um and the Mary Joe parent living room. God <sighs>
0: <for
1: fuck's sake. laughs> Hang on everybody. Hang on. Do <laughs> a <That's just laughs> floor plan. <laughs> do, do, do.
0: Okay. So entry. Oh, and of course it wouldn't say daddy's room, Lester, you idiot. <laughs> Oh. Okay, the li- Okay, it would be that would be the library I'm looking at right now, right? So is that
1: the, So you might be right if, if okay. If so this... no, 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 I think we're both right. I think we're both right.
0: <laughs> Yay! <Yes>. Yay!
1: <laughs>
0: right, because yeah. So so Daddy's room, also
1: known as the library. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. <laughs> I didn't see any books in there? Not a lot of books. Uh, <laughs> in there. I was yeah, tell all the books in Daddy's room. Right?
0: <laughs> um, just how to abandon your family <laughs> for dummies. Um, <laughs> But no, like so, so yeah. So the library is like right by the stairs, so Mm -hmm. I can see how it'd be like, like just under the stairs, right. So and Marin is Marin is at the entry, and so he's he's crossing from the entry into this hallway. So Mm -hmm. they're both meeting in that hallway in between,
1: right? Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, we did it, folks. (laughs) So where do you think? So it could be either. The listeners are like,
0: this is the least thing we care about. No. (laughs)
1: But what do you think? So was he down in the basement? No, I'm sure there's other things they
0: care less about. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. Was he
1: down in the basement finger painting or doing laundry or or playing ping pong with himself or using the Ouija board? Or Uh was he in daddy's room drinking daddy's candy, pretending to read a book, (laughs) or asking uh, Truey for advice? I was going to say, he's
0: talking to (laughs) Truey if he's doing anything.
1: Oh, Truey, what would you do? Yeah. (laughs) I told you not to summon me on my day off, he would say. (laughs) I just want to be left alone. Yeah,
0: I would do the thing that gets me some goddamn peace and quiet.
1: <laughs> exactly. I
0: did my dirty work. I'm right. not. I'm not going to give anybody else advice. Yeah.
1: Oh no, you're not going to catch yeah, me yeah. making a decision ever again.
0: No, 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 no. That's why. That's why I'm a, a photo on the wall now. <laughs> and then, and then, Karis looks up. He's like, "What was that, truly? But then it's just a you know a close up of the photo, and it doesn't speak. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, I'm really losing it."
1: <laughs> oh, Truey, let my cry come unto thee, yeah, Truy right. hide not thy face from me in the day when <laughs> I am in trouble.
0: <laughs> and then and then, you know, he hears uh, the door and everyone's going out to to see Marin, so mm-hmm. so Karis puts down the scotch. He gets up and he, and he walks out and you just behind him, you just hear "Good luck." <laughs>
1: I don't know. I think I think the real Harry Truman would say, "Don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out."
0: <laughs> don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you.
1: <laughs> You're a priest. You get that? Before you leave, can you
0: just can you just you know bring that uh, that that glass of scotch over here?
1: See, really Our listeners thought we were done with Harry Truman because we yeah. I don't think we're in that room ever again. The rest of the no, movie, no, but no we're no, bringing no. it back.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> bringing it back, folks. Okay, but yeah, so so uh, Karis walks out of this room, right and and uh, and again, I, I wrote that whole thing about them all being children before watching this minute. That, w- that was after I had reread uh, this part of the book, but before uh, re-watching this uh, part of the movie. Mm-hmm. But Keenan, like looking at Karis now, you know, the way he comes out of that room and he stops and he looks and says, like hopefully and a little bit shyly, like I think he says, "Father." It's it's almost like he's not addressing a priest. It's like he's a little boy and his father... Has just come home. Mm-hmm. And this is like right after we had a shot of Chris looking younger. So, like, I'm weighing this as I go, folks, but like, I do feel like that sense of them being children has carried over from the book, um, at least in this uh, minute right here.
1: Absolutely. And at, at the risk of just making these connections again <laughs> that are patronizing <laughs> and elegant, right? We've right, not yeah. had a father. We've had Reagan's missing father, Howard. We've had right. Damien um, and his relationship with his mother. He doesn't have a father. And right. these men who have, uh, put themselves into uh into service right into yeah. the service of uh, of God and, and their flocks but have chosen not to have not to be fathers themselves and now they're right. yeah, yeah. finding themselves finding each other.
0: Yeah. We've had a bunch of uh, fatherly stewards mm-hmm. um I guess right you know and with like if we include the doctors in there and uh-huh. yeah. um, you know as well um and I don't know I mean like Kinderman never interacts with Reagan but he I don't know. He has her best interests at heart, Mm -hmm. and he like the way the way that he kind of like talks with Chris. um, I'll I'll add him in there as well,
1: right? Yeah, but he pretends to that his daughter. Wants an autograph and all this right? Summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So maybe not, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But then also, I mean, like, like, um, and Carl too. Mm-hmm, um, right.
1: the way the way that
0: he is, but he is a father. Um, yeah, in the novel, know. right? Surprise, surprise. But right. um, but like, he's also very, very fatherly towards Reagan. So mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. so a lot of fathers, a lot of fathers mm-hmm. in this uh, in this thing,
1: right? Yeah, but this house needs a daddy. Yes, right. And they found it in Father Mary. Mm-hmm. Daddy yeah. Marin. Daddy Marin, right?
0: Um, so so we cut, and Marin is moving from the foyer to the hall, hand extended as he goes to meet Karis, uh, and with this look of—this is the first time they've met, mm-hmm. but you can see in Maren's eyes this look of recognition, uh, respect— Admiration, like it, in just a second, Karis is going to say it's an honor to meet you, Father. But mm-hmm. you look at both of their faces, and it almost feels like Marin wants to say that to him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I realize, Keenan, you know what this is? This is someone seeing Karis for the first time and saying with joy and recognition, "Oh, it's you." Mm-hmm. This is the exact opposite of what Howdy says when he first meets Karis. Right? He's like, "Well, well, well," so it's you, right? Now we assume Marin has, uh, you know, been briefed on the situation. He's read the report. He may have done some homework on Karras, right? That that could have been all that this is, you know, just you know, just two academics, like ah, Father Karis. I read your paper. That was that was good stuff, right? <laughs> it's you, but I also want to believe that even now he is sensing that Karis reminds him of maybe his younger self. Mm-hmm. Right. And he says, it's like, oh, Karis, it's you, right? And just just to be on the receiving end of that, right? After after having everyone in his life look at him like, oh, it's you, to have Father Marin, whom he's never met, look at him as like, oh, it's you. Mm-hmm. Like that, that must feel really, really
1: good. That's a really good point. It's it's like you know, Stanley and Livingston, right? So Stanley is looking throughout Africa for Livingston, and right. then and then he's trying to practice what to say and how to say it yeah. to him. And then he has this You know, embarrassing, cringy line that he invents that then becomes this really famous line, right? Uh, Mm -hmm, mm Oh, Doctor Livingston, I presume, right? Because he's trying to he's trying to practice so hard about how to approach him and what to say to him, right? He's been the entire time he's going (laughs) upriver into the jungle. He's like, what do I say to Livingston? He's so important, and I love him so much. And he's like, oh, oh, uh, you know, it's the equivalent of oh, I didn't see you there, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right? Oh, how funny seeing you here. Um, Yeah. yeah, So like, this is the this is the opposite. It's like not this pretension or or anything. It's just like oh, like this is. someone I love. I love yeah. I love Damien. And and uh, you know, having read the book now again, um and having looked at it through your tutelage, right? The idea of Marin mm-hmm. loving people that he's never yeah. met, including like the tea shop owner who he right. is reprimanding himself a little bit for not always being the person who would love the tea shop owner. And now he, right. he does love him.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you get the like in this meeting, in this just like, you know, short meeting between Marin and Karis, you get the idea that like you know, if anybody was rehearsing a like an introduction, mm-hmm. it was Karis. Like, right. it's an honor to meet you, Father. Right? <laughs> right. Like, like he had Father that. on his... Yeah. But but Marin is just like like he just he is he is surprised by joy. Mm-hmm. You know, to quote C.S. Lewis right. when he sees Karis, and it, like his is like completely genuine. It's like, oh, it's you, Father Karis. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Yeah. It, yeah. But D- Damien is coming out, and he's going to be like, oh, Father Marin, it's such an honor. But instead, he says, he says, Father Marin, will you be my dad? <laughs> it's like, oh God, why would I say that? I did,
0: oh God, so oh, I'm so
1: sorry. I, oh, oh, stupid, geez, stupid, 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 stupid. You, oh, I, I, I didn't mean. I, I meant to say uh, you, you enjoy your movie too. Oh God, no, no, no. <laughs> no she works. Right? No, she gave me the popcorn. <laughs> just funny weather here in the house. <laughs> Do you come to the McNeil house often? <laughs> No! 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 Stupid! Stupid! man And he just—he just—he
0: doesn't know what to say. He's like, "Yeah!" And he turns and he runs back into the guy's room, slams
1: the door, slams the door, and then you hear—you hear just a muffled, like, "So, how'd it go?" <laughs>
0: Yeah, but no. Okay, none of that happens. What we're trying to say is is how genuine, uh, Maren
1: is. Right. In his in his joy to meet Father Karras. Right. Um, Father Karras, it's an honor to meet you. Mm. Be sure to subscribe and give me five stars. Damn it! <laughs> Why would I say that? <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's so it's an honor to meet you. I have a podcast. Damn it! No. Oh. <laughs> so cringe. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> Father
0: Marin, you know, I'm a priest too. No, oh God.
1: <laughs> oh, Father Marin, my name is Father Karis. That's a, <laughs> it's a coincidence. No, wait.
0: <laughs> Uh-oh. looks like we came to this party wearing the same thing, am I right?
1: <laughs> Awkward. Awkward. Oh, okay, I have one last one. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh, Father Karras, it's an honor to meet you. Oh yeah, you're gonna die up there. Oh God, <laughs> why would I? <laughs> why would I say that? Oh no.
0: <laughs> and that's what, you know, like during the exorcism, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're gonna see uh, Dimi's tortured face, mm-hmm. right? And it's not, he's not having an existential crisis of faith or anything no. like that. He's just thinking about all this <laughs> stupid shit that he said to Father Marin when he first met him.
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> and he's like, "It's like the power of Christ compels you. it's like, you enjoy your meal too. Oh God! It's like Damien, The response. Oh God. Okay. But no, no, no. We'll get to, We'll get to that. Um, but yeah. So, however, we decide to read this meeting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we got. We got. Marin clasping Karis's hand. Uh, with with both hands right eyes locked on him um like he did with uh the tea shop owner mm-hmm. um he must at least know what dimi has been through from the report and he's he's clasping his hands almost like he's like he's proud of him for handling it up to this point for taking care of the family um he's acknowledging that it's you know a tough job uh when you know that's what we should be doing to him right now mm-hmm. right to Marin. he just showed up to save the day but Marin is going up to everybody like, oh, it's you. I, like, I read all about you. You've you've done such a great job. Mm-hmm. And that's part of Marin's strength, I think. That's part of his grace. And keep that in mind, folks. Pay attention to his actions, to his words, how little self there is in them. His ego is almost non-existent, always uh, about other people that he is with, right? Mm-hmm. Hold that and remember it for when Howdy calls him out because Howdy remembers a different Marin, one that we never see because— you know, here he is at the end of his arc, Mm -hmm. right? but yeah uh, speaking of howdy um, this, little, this little meeting is abruptly cut short uh, by the booming voice from upstairs shouting Maren
1: I'm not sure if I would have recognized that as the word Maren if I wasn't told that
0: yeah actually thinking about it mm. now and like I'm, I'm like remem- I'm replaying it in my right. head right now it, it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah exactly
1: uh, so I think that's interesting so I'm not saying that's a mistake or anything but I think like right. that's something that on the second or 3rd view, you're like oh wow yeah that is definitely saying his voice uh, saying, his, saying name. his name um, in yeah. the screenplay it's clear it says reagan demon Marin, in the book it says that yeah Um, but i do kind of like the the little bit of ambiguity here of it just being some kind of roar
0: yeah it could be it sounds like a word Mm -hmm. right like it sounds like the demon is saying something Mm -hmm. like it's a command it's like it's like you know like get up here right now or something (laughs) like that right you know
1: um, but it is so shocking just in the tone and the volume of it without having to know what the word even is so right. like that yeah. is, that's, that's scary <laughs> without even, it doesn't, it doesn't really even matter what the word is.
0: <laughs> exactly. The tone and the volume mm-hmm. uh, carry it enough And and actually maybe even not completely understanding like what he's saying is a little bit scarier almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so at this at this cry of Marin, right? <laughs> we cut, it's a new angle. Sharon is just coming down the stairs, probably also to, to greet Marin. And this shot is set up so perfectly, Keenan. Mm-hmm. We're looking down into the first floor hall from the stairs. Uh, we're sort of like peeking over the railing. And there are one, two, three, four, five people in this shot, mm-hmm. we got Sharon on the stairs. Uh, I think she's the one that our eye goes to because she's moving. She's moving um, and and, the,
1: and the, yeah. she seems to react first to the scream and look up at yes. the room where it's coming yeah. from.
0: And then we got uh, Karis and Marin still in the hall. Uh, and in the doorway leading into the kitchen, we have uh, Chris talking to Willie. And as soon as we hear that voice, everyone stops and looks up. And I don't know if it's because uh, uh, Marin is older or because, you know, I like this part of the book so much that I'd like to believe that he's already sensed the demon he already knew it was up there mm-hmm. so like most of them turn like they're startled right Chris, Willie and especially Sharon Um mm-hmm. but Karis looks up slowly and Marin looks up even slower he mm-hmm. turns up to look at the noise again like like he's addressing an unruly child, right? Like, look at his stance, folks. He's like, excuse me, I was talking to Father <laughs> Karras. I will be with you in a moment, mm-hmm. right? Like, he has this he has this look on his face. He has this, like, tilt of his head. Mm-hmm. It's like, like not right now.
1: Yeah, a lot of patience.
0: Yeah. And I'm not trying to say this to be funny. Like, he is more prepared than anyone else here, and he knows exactly what to do and also how to do it. He knows that there's a demon, right? That's Something that took two-thirds of the movie for everybody else. Mm -hmm. But even when Karis knows or thinks it's a demon, he still doesn't know how to deal with it, right? Marin knows exactly what to do and also how to treat this demon, how to acknowledge it. He is not going to humor it. He is not going to gasp or jump at any of his little tricks. Mm -hmm. In addition to all this knowledge and preparation, he is also bringing to this house the proper attitude, of an exorcist. Hmm. The problems of Act 1 and Act 2 are not problems for him, hmm. right? Is it a demon? What do I do now that I know it's a demon? Mm-hmm. Like, we're beyond that now. And Marin is the character to show us that, they, that we are beyond that point.
1: Right, that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah.
0: And actually, okay, that's something I want to say to this scene and following the scenes. Keenan. it feels so good to have one two three four five and we don't mm-hmm. see him but Carl is uh, with Carl it's six characters mm-hmm. right all in the house and all on the same page with the same goal. Working together, right? Is it is it weird for me to feel this right here? Like we have no verbal acknowledgement, but just like everybody here is working together. No one is like, well, I don't know about that. Let's see what the doctor says, mm-hmm. right? It's the not po- Sharon poli-
1: sneaking into the dark to get Damien and not trying to show Chris this and yeah, right. any of these things that that are um you know make for good drama. But now everyone is uh, on the same page.
0: Exactly right. The the police aren't here. The uh-huh. doctors aren't here. Right. We're we're done. We're done proving. We're done convincing. Right. The team is together. Mm-hmm. Capital T team. Right. Chris has got the final roster of characters together this is like you know how like in in um final fantasy before you go up against the final boss it's like okay you know choose choose the five or six characters you want to go up against kefka or sephiroth or whatever Mm -hmm. right and and that's what this is like it it was always going to be these characters this family chris sharon carl willie uh, with Karis being sort of like adopted into the family. And now Marin is that last fam- family member, right? All uh, together surrounding Reagan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and together, like he, like uh, uh, Marin and Karis make up for that father that is not there.
1: Yeah, that's a really, really good point. This is the mm-hmm. Avengers. <laughs> yeah, but mm-hmm. but it's Final Fantasy, so you can't go by this. So in Final Fantasy VI, uh-huh. who are these characters that you're using to fight against Kefka? Oh, <laughs> because okay, you put okay. your team together. Here, I'll drop right. in the chat. Uh-huh. Final Fantasy 6 characters. <laughs> okay. You can't just go on and say, oh, oh, oh who All are right. yours?
0: Okay. So I would always go with, well, see, okay, the thing with Final Fantasy is like the, you know, the leveling up system is kind of, <laughs> well, some would say broken, but, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. because it's like you can just like make everybody learn everything, every magic spell, right? <laughs> That's right. So I would choose, I would choose them based on story. Mm-hmm. So of course, I'm going to have Terra, Terra at the head, right? Sure. Typical. So, <laughs> Tara,
1: oh, wow. Is that, a, is
0: that a little bit um uh, unelegant? <laughs> Inelegant, whatever. Um, yeah, so, so I'm gonna have Tara. I'm gonna have a uh, lock. Um, okay.
1: So yeah. So you're going with the. Oh, so you, is it all just gonna be just an order of who you get? Uh, what do you mean? Isn't lock the second character you get? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So you're going with the. So they've been there with you for the beginning. Are you are you so trying you're... to
0: tell me that the way I play Final Fantasy VI is pedestrian? Hey man. <laughs> I'm just, you know, hey, you're, you're all about the language of cinema here, okay? And so, story. Wait, what, you want me to get
1: gal? <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Don't put down gal. <laughs> all right, but anyways, Tara and Locke are the, are the first two characters, and so yes. you, you want them there at the end. Yes, to of course. tie this all up in the story. Okay, all right. Absolutely.
0: We just, like, have them on the airship while while the final battle goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, all right, that's good. Say, so, all right, Luke Skywalker, you just hang here <laughs> while um, a, 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 an Ewok goes and talks to the Emperor. <laughs>
1: All right, so you get two more. So you got Terra okay. and Locke because they've been there since uh-huh. the beginning.
0: Okay. You need um uh Edgar and uh because 'cause they're the two brothers, right? You know, and this, this whole thing is teaching us about like brotherly love and, and all that stuff, right? So
1: just the first four characters you get. Yes. And and <laughs> and um the the comic relief, you get Maud. I wait, I mean, do you get four or five in Final Fantasy VI? I don't know. <laughs> you get you have four only, unfortunately. It has been
0: it has been years <laughs> since I've played that. And I didn't realize that today, my 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 uh, uh, style of playing was going to be called
1: into judgment. That's right. Well, so you can't have Mog, sorry, because Mog's on my team. <laughs> what? So I picked Mog.
0: Oh, we didn't. I didn't know we were doing this. <laughs> no, no, okay. you only
1: have four. Is the point? Sure. And you sure. don't want to break up the brothers, and you don't want to break up the main yeah. emotional story of Tara and Locke. So
0: yes. Uh-huh.
1: All right. So mine is Mog, uh-huh. and Umaru. Because they are okay. animals, <laughs> sure. They're cute and animals, and even if, you know, like you're saying, like you have Terra and Lock in the beginning, so they're probably your strongest. Uh-huh, you probably have uh-huh. Mog and Umaro last for me, so yeah, because yeah. I suck at playing Final Fantasy, I just, I just pick the ones who have the cute ones. And mm. and yes, I would pick Edgar and Sabin as well because they yeah. they have super cool mechanics. Edgar has like uh, he's like a robot king, like he uh, like built all these yeah. inventions and stuff. And they're yeah. steampunky. Yeah, 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 exactly. He has a steampunk castle in castle, the middle of the yeah. desert that if mm-hmm. you don't know i hope this isn't spoiling final fantasy six for you <laughs> but you go to edgar's castle and then he joins your party and uh, they're like well what about your castle it's going to get destroyed by kefka and the bad guys and it, it mm-hmm. um they hit a switch and it all goes into the desert and they're like well we'll see you on the other side of this and it's mm-hmm. super super cool so yeah yeah Very go, uh,
0: final fantasy six folks check it out
1: <laughs> all right so we, have- we heard it
0: here on the exorcist minute we we just took up how many <laughs> minutes of your time talking about a Video game that came out in the, the mid 90s,
1: yeah. yeah. But uh yeah, so so we have some overlap as much as we're giving each other shit. Yeah. So we have. Although the two for brothers. some reason
0: I'm not allowed to choose mod. You're allowed to choose <laughs> Edgar and Sadie. You only get four people. Yeah. Well. Okay. Okay. But all okay, right. Let's 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 actually uh bring this back to the exorcist, Keenan. Right. Is this the party that you would choose for the final battle? You would have to have the two priests, I believe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, you're going to go, oh, you're going to go with the two priests, Kenan? How how obvious.
1: Right, but that is, a, yeah, like, why is it, um, you know, we don't have Father President and Father Bishop in here. Right. Or Father right. Dyer, I suppose.
0: Yeah, Father Dyer's not there.
1: Yeah, if I were playing it the way that I like playing it, which is just, like, which character I, I think is the coolest and funniest, I would have Father mm-hmm. Dyer in
0: there. <laughs> Father Dyer
1: in there. Yeah, okay. Father Dyer and Sharon. I like Sharon. Uh-huh. So, yeah, my four would be Father Dyer, Father Sharon. I think you have to have... Maren Father Sharon, Father Sharon, Father of Tire, yeah. <laughs> Father Marin, Father Karis.
0: Okay, so they're all just fathers. <laughs> I think yeah. you
1: have to. Yeah, I think you have to have Marin and Karis, right? Yeah. What well, about? Yeah, what about you gotta, you yeah. a four? So that's
0: terms. yeah. So this is okay. So so you know the cutscene happens, and you know they're about to go into the room, and a little a little sprite of um <laughs> of uh, it's it's a little Captain Howdy. It's like right, he walks right, onto right, the right. you know. Uh, walks onto the stage and he's like, okay, you got to choose, uh, you know, your, uh, what did we say, five?
1: You get four. <laughs> no, you well, get four. In actual, okay. well, in the actual, the you get five. That's fine. Okay. yeah, the actuals, right. You, you got to
0: yeah. choose your five characters, right? Okay.
1: Um, oh, well then, so let me, right. So, so I will do Father Karis, Father Damien, Father Dyer, Father Sharon, and Father Astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's my five. Okay. All right,
0: all right. What do you do? I see. And, and just in case folks don't know what the hell we're talking about or what we've been talking about. <laughs> This is a what is this? This is a trope in in uh, RPGs yeah. in, in video games where it's like you you have like a whole bunch of like characters and you get to like choose uh, a lineup to fight the boss. Yeah, right? yeah.
1: Like in the Avengers, like it, like Avengers Endgame is is nonsense where it's like oh you get to pick all of them. No, you have to pick yeah, five no, no, of no. them or, or six. Yeah, of them, you got to pick. Yeah. You can only that room is only big enough for, for five. <laughs> right. There's not enough room on the poster for more than five Avengers. Exactly. <laughs> right. So yeah. So
0: okay. Hmm. For me, let's see. I would. Yeah. It would be. It would be. You know. Father Marin and Father Karras. Um, but see, we're, I'm kind of cheating a little bit okay. because I already know, you know, in game that, uh, you know, Father Marin's going to – a space is going to open up. See?
1: Oh, so you're going to pick somebody else, huh? Yeah, yeah, see? Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, so Father Karras, Father Marin. Um, I would put Chris in okay, there. Father Chris. In in the in the final fight, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Daddy Chris. Daddy's <laughs>
1: right, Daddy's Chris. <laughs>
0: Um, cause this is her fucking story and uh-huh, she needs right, to, you, right. know, you know, but you know, Kenan, you know, you know why she wouldn't, she, she, she didn't go up there. Cause
1: of the patriarchy. Yeah. Just, <laughs> as we find out next, <laughs> just <is> believer <laughs> yeah. God.
0: Hashtag not my Chris. Um, but yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. Father Marin, Father Karis, Chris. Mm-hmm. I want to put Carl up there. Okay. Of course. Because of course. I love Carl. Cause he, cause you know, he has a daughter and he has, you know, like, like right. he has, he's invested. Um, and with Carl, you also got to have Willie. So. All right.
1: Know, so Willie and that's Carl. It.
0: <laughs> oh, there's no, there's no Sharon. Oh,
1: that's okay. Yeah, you can there's only five. have five. You got to pick
0: only have five. But okay. we're
1: leaving yeah. out characters. So in your own team at home, you could have Father President, Father Bishop, uh-huh. Lieutenant Kinderman, um, Planchy, Pulley, Planchy. Mm-hmm. the Horseman, Truy. You can have
0: you can you can ask Truy, but he's going to say no. <laughs>
1: um, Mary Joe, mm-hmm. she could be useful up there. Mary Joe. Oh yeah, sure, yeah, sure, yeah. Sure. The yeah. Uh, the senator, <laughs> the mm-hmm, senator's mm-hmm. wife. yep. yeah. <laughs> Who else are we leaving out? Oh, the Uncle um, Tito's Uncle Tito, uh, Mary Karras, uh-huh. um, uh the Language Lab guy. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. you could have Burke Doctor Tanny, Doctor Tanny. Burke. Yeah, there's a lot of characters to choose from. You could have Doctor Barringer and, and Foundation, right? Yeah, there's a lot of options up here. I would love yeah, to hear yeah. what people think about. Yeah, you could have Howard in this world. <laughs> Who would you have? And yes, and I you-, like, you
0: choose. You choose Howard, and it just like it. it he doesn't show up, so it's just like a blank spot. It's like you fucked up, right? It's like it's it's the it's the game's way of saying it's like oh fuck you. Yeah, you know?
1: I would love to hear from our our listeners and the listener group. Yeah, who are their five that they would have together if any? Yeah,
0: what's your what's your lineup to 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 Because it the, Can't the be like
1: Exorcist believer, and, and the answer is everybody get in here. <laughs> no, that's dumb. Every character in the movie is there. Yeah,
0: not saying that what we're doing now isn't dumb, but you know, that's like a different level of <laughs>
1: different, dumb. different kind of dumb. Yeah,
0: yeah. All right. Well, you know what I would I would do uh, uh Keenan because you know these games always have like a little a little cheat code, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I would do a little cheat code where I would get um, the horseman. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but no, I would I would do I would do a thing where you get Reagan. <laughs> like unpossessed Reagan. Uh-huh, yeah. Cuz this is you know like this is her right. Harrowing tale, right? <laughs> and she gets to stand up to Captain Howdy. That's right. Absolutely. I would like that. Yeah. She's like, you know what, Captain Howdy, you're not a very good friend. Right. She just, you know,
1: like, and you got Reagan and, the, and the Horseman and the Dumb Bird and the Dumb Bird, yes, and Planchy. You use well, the dumb
0: bird, dumb bird. is an item, a special <laughs> item that you get that you use. It's the thing. It's the thing that. Um, oh yeah, because Sharon Sharon's not fighting. She's not up there, right? So so she's like like uh, you know they're walking up there. and It's like, hey, take this. You might need it. <laughs> It's like a dumbbird. What am I going to use a dumbbird for? Right? And that's the th- oh, that's the thing that unlocks Reagan from Howdy, right? And now Reagan becomes a playable character.
1: Oh, very good. Yeah. All right. Okay. We'll, anyway, we'll write this as a game once the Exorcist becomes public domain. Yes. 90, 98 years after.
0: Wait, no, no, Keenan. You know the hot thing mm-hmm. uh, with with public domain uh, uh, items right now uh-huh. is to make it into a horror. Oh, wait, <laughs> Why no, we make no? It a no, <laughs> that doesn't. No, that doesn't work. Okay. Uh, but now, okay, Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, okay. In 2071,
1: yeah, we could turn The Exorcist into a public domain video game and it's going to be fun. Yes. <laughs>
0: right, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the demon has just called Marin's name, um, has delivered this challenge and everybody looks up and we cut as the voice is still raging and now we get another perfect shot where we can see both priests' reactions, mm-hmm. right? We got Karis and he is looking like, even though he's with them, he's on the team, he is looking up at that voice like, what is behind that Door. Mm-hmm. And then perfect juxtaposition. Maren knows exactly what is behind that door. Mm-hmm. He looks down at Karis, who also looks down, looks inward, perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, stealing himself. Again, Maron is, is like a father. He looks at him as like, Are you are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, eventually Karis turns to him, and we don't see all of Marin's face, but we can see he is calm, he is showing Karis that it is okay. He puts his hand on Karis's arm and he leads him away. All the while the demon is still raging. Behind them, Chris and willie are recovering from the shock marin leads caris away as he asks are you very tired mm-hmm. again very very selfless he's checking in on caris like a father and like a son who wants to show that he can do the thing caris immediately says no he's he's up for this he can handle it right
1: mm-hmm. um and it's uh it's marin who's been on a train or a plane in the in the book it's a train but we don't know how he gets right. from woodstock down to dc he's been traveling all day right right yeah, and he's right. like are you tired
0: Yes, he's asking he's asking if Karis is tired. Right. Um, and, and he continues. He, he says, I'd like you to go quickly across to the residence Damien. Uh, behind them everyone is bustling, moving to their stations. Uh, Marin reaches a chair and he sits down. this is this is the first time that he has shown um, both his age and how tired he is mm-hmm. since getting here, right right he conti- yeah he continues um, and he says and gather up a cassock for myself, two surplices, a purple stole, and some holy water. Uh, behind them, Sharon has gone up to Chris and she has said something. Chris has said something, assured her in some way, like maybe it's okay. We don't, we don't need, you know, anything, go take a break. Mm -hmm. Um, so Sharon turns and catches the two priests as she is walking away. She has something in her hand, uh, like a suitcase and for a second I thought it was like, oh is is Sharon leaving? Um but that but that's that's Marin's bag, right?
1: Yeah. So what has happened is that the scream has interrupted Chris in the kitchen doorway giving um the hat and bag from Marin to Willie. Ah, and if you go okay. back and look at it, it, it bothers them so much. And Chris lets Willie go, and Willie just has the hat and not the bag. <laughs> and and oh. <laughs> Willie just goes off away. And then Sharon comes down the stairs and gets the bag.
0: Oh, okay. So she's bringing it to uh, that place that uh, they have set up for Marin.
1: Yeah. So it's a lot of really cool blocking and and, and business that is all motivated. But, um, you know, we're not paying attention to that stuff. We're watching just uh, Damien and uh, Marin walking, um, you know, downstage, as it were, as the camera's pulling with them. So we just know that, oh, the women behind them have all this stuff going on. Um, oh. But we don't. We're not tracking what it is, unless you're watching it like psychopaths, like we are. Right, yeah. exactly. Right, yeah. Um, but it so, does all yeah, make sense. It, I'm defending it. it. It's not just it's, busy work. They've, they've motivated all of it.
0: Right. It's all like that bag is going to some place, and, and so is Sharon. <laughs> right. right?
1: Yeah. She's going
0: places. No. Um, but yeah, in any case, uh, uh, we know Sharon's not going anywhere. We see her in the very next shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this shot, everyone is making space for these two priests. Right. Um, she's, she's out, and Chris—so so Sharon is out, uh, and Chris has reached the kitchen, and she sort of, like, puts a hand on a chair um, as if, you know, for support. Mm-hmm. And then she turns back to stare at these two men, these two men who are getting— down to the business of saving her daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, She's she's really blurry in this shot, but I can't help but see, like just in the way that she's standing this... Curiosity, this fascination along with gratitude. Like like I wonder what they're talking about over there. Yeah. You know, something like that.
1: I love yeah. that we have Chris in the shot, even though she's in the far background and um partially obscured by the doorway into the kitchen and out of focus mm-hmm. as you're saying. But I love that she's there. It's not something I had noticed before. But mm-hmm. you know, we could obviously frame her completely out or block her so she's right. moved ent- entirely out of the room. But yeah, I mm-hmm. like that. Like she's she's what, like she she does, yeah, as you say, make space for them, but she's still interested. Like, like, okay, I'm pretty convinced by the presence and aura of Father Man. This is going to go well, but this is still right. you know, my daughter. It's not like I'm just going to yes. go and sit down, even though the patriarchy's going to keep me out of that room, <laughs> right? I'm not going to go and like read a magazine or something. Like, I'm so right.
0: And we're just we're just joking about that, folks. Like, I personally don't don't see any of that like <laughs> attitude in in Chris here. We're just we're just making a dig at the at the believer movie.
1: <laughs> don't worry, just the believer movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but they but they, they say that they ask like, why why weren't you up in that room? And it's like, well, because it's like. You know, why weren't you upstairs putting out the fire with the firemen? Oh, it's mm-hmm. the patriarchy when the answer is, like, because yeah. I wasn't a fireman. I wasn't a firefighter. Yeah. What a ridiculous question. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, no, that's a perfect analogy, Keenan, right? It's like, I am not a firefighter, right? It's like, I am I am being saved by these firefighters. <laughs> right. no. Yeah, we talked about that. But, yeah, I, I also just really like the... The fact that she gets to be in the shot mm-hmm. where they are like talking about helping Reagan. Because mm-hmm. this is this is the thing. Like she, you know, she needs that. She like like after all of after this whole movie, mm-hmm. right? She's been trying to get someone to to help her daughter. And it's good that like even her like blurry image in the background gets to witness them talking about it's like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. Right. Like you need to go to the residence, get, you know, the the holy water and the and the surplus and all that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So and and so yeah, Marin finishes grabbing Karis's arm again, and he says, and your copy of the Roman ritual, the large one, I believe we should begin. Mm -hmm. So, okay, a couple of things here. I had to look this stuff up because I'm
1: a bad Catholic. No, no, Um, we're well researched. That's why we have to
0: look it up. Right, right. That's yeah, that's absolutely (laughs) the case. Um But no, okay, so so the things that Father Marin is asking for, um, a cassock. Uh, is the first thing. Um, it, that's the the black thing that you see a priest wear. It looks like a like a cross between a suit or a shirt up top. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it buttons down the front, but then below is like a skirt mm-hmm. that goes all the way down, um, like a robe right. or a long coat. Um, but unlike a coat or a robe, like I said, the top is like form fitting. It's almost it's almost like a, a shirt. It has a collar um, with a little uh, place for like the priest collar thing, mm-hmm. the white thing. Right. Yeah. Um, so then a surplus goes over the cassock. Uh, you actually only wear. Um, surpluses with cassocks, mm-hmm. uh, not by themselves. Uh, acolytes or, or choirs wear them and they can be worn without the priest collar. Um, it's a white linen covering with, uh, with billowy sleeves uh, that goes down to your knees. It's usually not worn by priests, mm-hmm. um, but I'm seeing that it says that priests will sometimes wear them over their cassocks for certain ceremonies like baptism. Um, it is representative of the purity of divine love and charity. Um, and yes, it is also worn by a priest for an exorcism specifically. That is another rare occasion where they would wear a surplice.
1: Right. I was seeing um, with cassocks they are mostly black, but the Pope wears a white one when you're right, dealing yes. with Catholicism. And then, in, uh, and then in other denominations, black um, is sort of the default, and then red or purple or some other color will represent um, a different rank. Right, but, yes. But mm-hmm. surplices seem to be always white. I just couldn't find any other examples where they weren't. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. If anybody knows, uh write us in the exorcist minute at gmail.com. Um but yeah, uh and then and then we got uh, a stole um and that is worn by ordained priests and it's a uh, representative of the priest's authority uh and his role as the mediator between uh God. Um and that's the um kind of like the uh, the thing that we were talking about in the last minute Keenan, the the purple almost like a, a sash or a scarf
1: uh type thing. Yeah, you could have in the old days a a a mink stole like you know you'd wear mm-hmm. a fox or a mink as a stole. So it's like goes around right your your neck basically and so mm-hmm. yeah this is like a sash that goes on uh, not across the body but hangs evenly on either side of the neck
0: right like like almost like a like a scarf that hasn't been
1: right yeah, wrapped. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, specifically purple stoles uh, for priests are worn during Lent and Advent uh, Mm -hmm. when uh, hearing confessions um, in the Catholic Church. That is right, Um, and then uh, when administering uh, communion in the hospital. Um, All of these things seem appropriate to our situation, but yes, um, uh, the stole is also worn during exorcism, specifically as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I heard someone explain it like this: Uh, priest uh, wear a priest wears uh, white for. Positive grace, uh, like a blessing or a baptism or a marriage, and purple for quote negative grace, mm-hmm. or or rather like the removal of negative things, like like when hearing a confession or during Lent, for example, we're all sort of like you know purifying ourselves um, and removing the bad stuff, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And uh, by extension, uh, removing a demon, mm-hmm. right? so you'd be, you'd be wearing the purple, right? Okay. Um, and then we got okay. So then, and then the last thing he asks for, well, he asks for holy water, but I'm not going to. We know what holy water is. Yeah.
1: Um, does Damien, do you know where to get holy water? Da- yeah, Damien? Damien, do you know what holy water is? <laughs>
0: but yeah, so so the last thing he asked for is the Roman ritual. Um, and this is an official book containing the rites and the rituals and the ceremonies of the church. Mm-hmm. So uh, weddings, baptism, communion, anointing, uh, last rites, and yes, exorcism. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was once one big book, but it was divided into three as recent as 1969, mm-hmm. which is maybe why Maron doesn't say volume two. Of the Roman ritual, uh-huh. that's the volume that, that current, currently contains uh, the rite of exorcism. So uh, the first volume is all sacraments. The second volume is rites and prayers for burial of the deceased and also for exorcism. Mm-hmm. That's a little alarming. <laughs> um, I
1: guess
0: they're trying to put all the bad stuff into one volume, okay. maybe, right? Um, and then and then, volume three is blessings. Uh, so for blessings for people, for places, for animals, for things, for houses, you know, fields and all that stuff, right? So yeah, so today, Maren would say, go get volume two. And, he's, and he wouldn't say we're going to need it either way. No. <laughs>
1: either it's going to be an exorcism or yeah or a burial. Or a burial. No. Well, that's interesting. No, no, he doesn't say that. so. He no. says yeah, bring the big one um, and don't I don't know like what don't worry about trying to figure out which one has the exorcism in it. Just get the big one or the one that you're he used just, to.
0: Yeah, the one that he's or or like when he says the large one, does he mean? Like, do they do they maybe have the modern versions where it's like broken up into three books mm-hmm. uh, at the residence? But he's like, they probably also have a copy of like the older one.
1: He probably does, right? Father David Mauer, he was on, was was reminding us and explaining to us that priests of Damien's generation were go, were looking at really big changes where the um, right. uh, the liturgy was being spoken in the vernacular now. Like in church, you would say it in English, and and so he's part of the generation that is going through these big changes. So it's just interesting thinking about like historically, you know, um, you know, uh, this is. Even in regard to this Roman ritual, Damien oh. might have uh, options, right, or um, uh, mm-hmm. different uh, iterations of the same book, right?
0: Right. He might not have, have gotten the latest edition. Uh, yeah, he's like, either. oh, my,
1: uh, yeah, I'm worried about this. I, I don't have the new one yet, Father Marin. Father Marin's like, yeah. no, there is only one. Yes. <laughs> Literally, there is only one. Like, I don't know why they switched it up. But,
0: but yeah, so that is the stuff that uh, Damien needs to get, mm-hmm. plus some holy water, mm-hmm. um, and that's when, that's when he looks at Dimi and he's like, he's like, don't be fucking pulling any <laughs> bullshit coming ha- back here with tap water. Yeah,
1: don't be stingy. Neat. No ice. <laughs> I tell you, daddy's room at the Vatican is something else.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so he is ready to begin now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do we make of Karis's next line here? Do you want to hear the background of the case first, Father? Mm-hmm. Like, we said he's on the team, so... What is this? Is this is this more doubt? Is this just? Dimmy can't help who he is. He's organized. He's logical. He's he's methodical. He's scientific, following protocol. Like, what is this?
1: Well, it seems like a perfectly reasonable question to me until Father Marin says why, right? and then you're like, mm. oh yeah, that's a really good question. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think it speaks to the Damien that we've had so far, as he's now gone into the open with uh, other priests, right, Father Birmingham right. And, the, and the Bishop uh, Bishop Michael, where uh-huh. it seems like he is just not quite ready to accept that they are with him right Mm -hmm, (laughs) yeah yeah. it's like well this is our last i could explain this all to you and maybe you'll still say like oh never you've done this all wrong this isn't a possessed Mm -hmm, girl mm -hmm. we need to get her to a hospital
0: oh okay so so you're thinking like more that it's like Dimmy wants to prove that this is a case worthy of exorcism or
1: that he is expecting that he will get turned down at the very least
0: Hmm, okay. I think it's
1: st- for me it still feels like he's in that same headspace as he was with uh, the bishop
0: ah, okay. So what do you make of it so this is well this is uh, uh, but uh, just to clarify so you're saying like a little bit different from his own personal doubt mm-hmm. this is like him uh, trying to make a case it's like he like he thinks he has to dance for Mary
1: yes that's what I think it's like I have to do this whole dance explain this whole thing and bring out my PowerPoint right. and uh, you know mm-hmm. they're also not going to believe me even so and this is kind of the wow. last chance you get to do that right because yeah, yeah, yeah. This, is, this is it
0: wow and I love what you said about like just the the like it seemed such a reasonable question
1: mm-hmm.
0: until immediately we get Marin's answer and we're like, oh yeah. Right, yeah.
1: What are we talking Why? about? Why? Like <laughs> it's it's this tennis match of
0: like, like actually, no, that's a really, really good. Oh, no, it's not. It's just <laughs> right. it's it's way more simple than we're than we're making it out right. to be, right?
1: Yeah. So what do you what do you make of that? How do you feel about that?
0: So if I remember correctly, we're gonna get some peeks into Karis's head. Mm-hmm. During the exorcism, even as late as Reagan mm-hmm. levitating, um where Karis is trying to believe, but doubts and scientific explanations keep invading his mind and he can't concentrate. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I actually like your version a little bit better mm-hmm. that that he is trying to it could be a little bit of both like he's he's trying to he's trying to he thinks he still has to dance for Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also, you know, trying to you know do a little dance for himself right. as well. <laughs> This is a dancing fool, this guy. Yeah. But yes, to what you also said, Keenan. I love Father Marin's response to this. He simply says, "Why?" Mm-hmm. And it's not a—it's not a, like a derisive, like "Why," right. right? It's not like, "Oh my God, you still don't understand," right? It's—it's it's genuine puzzlement, like, "Why." Mm-hmm because he's not thinking the way dimmy is thinking he's he's ready he knows what this is it's like he's the exterminator and dimmy has asked him uh do you want to hear the background of these termites uh, we're about to exterminate <laughs> like what <laughs> no <laughs> and, and and there's another reason that i love him he's he's like no it's it's a demon we're casting out like i don't want to know it's Taste in music or what it <laughs> likes to do on the weekends, right? Whether whether it's an Aquarius or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, right? And maybe Karis is is talking about Reagan's background. Do you want to hear about Reagan's background? But again, Maren's probably thinking, what difference does that mm-hmm. make? Like she is being attacked right now. No one deserves this. We're not going to drag this demon out, sit them on opposite sides of the room, and have a trial. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get a fucking trial. Right. So why do we need to know anything more about this girl? Other than she is in trouble. Mm-hmm. Like, like Ouija board, dumb bird, Captain Howdy, who gives a shit, right? <laughs> like, uh, do you know what she did? I don't need to. I'm 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 here to get rid of this demon. Right.
1: So it doesn't matter, oh, they're atheists, the father is gone. So maybe it's right. like, you know, the demon is trying to use the atheism and the and the fatherlessness against him. Like, no, that that's not important at all right
0: now. Yeah, right. And that's like, like, like even, even if Karis is like insinuating, it's like, oh, wouldn't you like to know? The demons' game, mm-hmm. like what he's using against uh, the McNeils, mm-hmm. right? And again, Maren's like, "No, like, because I'm not going to play the demons' game. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going to, we're not going to talk to him. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that thing that you've been doing this whole book, <laughs> this whole movie,
1: <laughs> playing chess with right. him. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs>
0: but yeah, <laughs> so, so no, I, I really, really like just just that one simple word, why, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that, that sums up Maren uh, so perfectly. Um, but yeah, so so we cut from here. Uh, we don't get Demi's response or reaction. Did you notice mm-hmm. that, folks? Um, and now we are in the d- d- the breakfast room, uh, that little nook mm-hmm. at the end of the kitchen. Um, we, get the, we get the feeling that that some time has passed uh, since the conversation between Marin and Karis. Maybe he's like off, you know, getting stuff right now. Because last we saw Chris, she was in the kitchen mm-hmm. and Sharon had gone the other way, probably like to the living room right. um, with Maren's bag because that's where they've set up the bed for him. But now- Sharon is in the kitchen, and she is, I don't know, like, like what is she doing here, Keenan?
1: She's got a cup of tea for herself. She's trying to just stay occupied, yeah. and then yeah. it's a little workstation for her, but she's not trying to do work necessarily, yeah. and I don't know what else. Or
0: if she is, none of it is getting Yeah, occupied. I don't
1: know what she would have to do right now to pay bills or whatever, yeah. what, what they think would be important, but yeah, she's got a little yeah. um, a little radio there, and mm-hmm. she seems to be upset at everything she's trying to do to, um, to distract herself.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Like, uh, like you say, I see some tea. Mm -hmm. Um, she's, she's listening to the radio or is it like a tape
1: player? I think it's a radio. I don't know, but yeah, she's got tea. She's got a pen in her hand, but none, none of it seems to be working and distracting
0: her. Yeah. But yeah. And then, you know, and there's a voice coming out of the radio Mm -hmm. more on that in just a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, this table is a mess. Um, we got we got loads of unopened mail, a uh, jumble of papers, um, her typewriter's off to the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, uh, on the couch, we got like a pile of unopened uh, newspapers. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a great way to tell a story there, right? The, like the outside world is still going on, mm-hmm. right? They're still getting papers, but they're not like reading them. Um, they're taking, they're
1: taking them in just so the neighbors e- don't notice. Like it's not like exactly. They care about
0: it. <laughs> it's not letting them like pile up in front of the right, house, right? Right, right. People's like, what's going on at the old McNeil place, <laughs> right? So, so they're bringing them in and mm-hmm. they're just like throwing them on the couch, right? <laughs> right. And yeah, so so it might be that uh, uh, Sharon is trying to like do some secretarial things, mm-hmm. right? Like like you say, like and or and also like distract herself. She's doing everything and anything she can, um, but it is not working. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got that. Radio volume up to drown out reagan's uh moaning and i love the reveal when she like we we only hear reagan uh, uh when she stops the tape mm-hmm. and puts the headphones in right. right we can hear what almost sounds like the the lowing of a steer mm-hmm. right it's like it, it doesn't even sound human it's like right
1: right um yeah she puts the headphones is, in so we can't hear it and she doesn't have the headphones in her ears yet so we're not also not picking it up in her ears to continue on hearing it
0: Exactly, right? Yeah. Um, and and folks, this this is 10 seconds of our minute mm-hmm. here, right? This is the last 10 seconds of our minute. So Freakin wants us to see how this thing is affecting the members of the family.
1: Right. So this uh, um, this this lowing of a steer, like you're saying, um, this is from slightly before when we first hear the demon yelling Marin in the script. But Freakin uh-huh. in the screenplay says, uh, the voice of the demon booming yet muffled, like amplified premature burial. Yeah. I like that. Yeah.
0: Blatty can turn a phrase mm-hmm, sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's always in the exposition. It's, it's not in the dialogue, so we can't use it in the movie. It's like alien code tapped out by a dead man. Right. That's great. <laughs> no one will ever hear that. Unless they read the book. Mm-hmm. Read the book, folks. It's really good. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we hear that sound, right? And she puts she puts the, the headphones in. Um, okay. So Keenan, what do we make of the thing that she is listening to? Is this another Carmen
1: coincidence? So when I first looked at the scene again to to get ready, I wasn't paying attention at all to anything that's on this this radio or this tape or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was just hearing um, Reagan's uh, Reagan's lowing, like you're saying, but right, it is. Yeah pretty insane which whatever sharon is listening to yes is his fucking cuckoo bananas uh, is, and right. i could see that if, so if she was listening to it and actually hearing the words of the lyrics or whatever this is i mm-hmm. could see why it's not making her feel any more calm no no <laughs> so what do you think this is what is she listening to okay so
0: so folks we we hear the tape saying um I think it's this room. It says, this room is yours to do with as you please. Mm-hmm. You can choose to escape, but you may never be able to return. Don't let anyone decide for you. So,
1: mm, relaxing. out of context. <laughs> That's her sleep story. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and welcome to <laughs> Calm.com Sleep Stories. <laughs>
1: This room is yours to do with as you please.
0: You can choose to escape, but you may never be able to return. Don't let anyone decide for you. Right. (laughs) And just in that like really, really hollow, tinny kind of like radio speaker, you know, thing, just blasting Mm. in your ears. You know what this reminded me of? Kenan, do you, oh God, we're going back to video games. People (laughs) fucking hate us. Um, Did you ever play, it wasn't even a full game. Um, It's like this demo of a game that never came out. It's called P.T., no. Um, and it was, it was like the big reveal at the end, if you beat the demo is like, it's a, uh, like a silent Hills thing. No, no, no. Yeah. But it was like, it took when it, when it came out, when it dropped, it took the internet by storm. Everyone was terrified of it. It was like, uh, Ian had me over to to play it and it was, it was like the scariest thing. Um, and it was like, people were figuring out like all of its secrets and where to go and what to do. Mm-hmm. Like, in real time, because people was like, like there was no instruction manual, there were no hints, there was no nothing. Uh-huh. So people were just like looking around, and you'd go up onto the, the internet forums, and you'd like say, like, oh, you're supposed to look at the, you know, uh, the, the picture frame, and you're supposed to, oh, if you go into this room, and da-da-da-da. And one of the things that is um, synonymous with that game mm-hmm. is you enter this, this hallway, and there's just this like ugly-sounding Again, like exactly sounding like this radio right here. Oh, okay. There's this radio playing in the distance. You don't know where it's coming from. And it's just saying the weirdest shit. And like out of context, it sounds like really creepy and really mm-hmm. dark and really disturbing, right? Um, and it's supposed to be like like some kind of like news broadcast or something like uh-huh. that. But like that's exactly what uh where my mind went. Uh, As Sharon is listening to this, you got like this creepy house. You got this creepy voice uh, from this possessed girl upstairs, and then just this like (laughs) you know thing. And it was just like really, really like um uh, you know brought my mind back to uh, you know if you haven't, folks, I don't I don't even know if you can. Maybe maybe they've they've
1: uh, someone must have uh, yeah like saved saved it or something like that. Yeah, but the game never happened. Right.
0: Yeah, the game never happened, and I think I think Konami actually like took it down, so you can't even play the demo. Oh,
1: that's really interesting. And it looks like, and so it was. Uh, Hideo Kojima and Guillermo del Toro and Norman yes. Reedus, so I guess they yes. all got back together and did um, uh, what do you call it, uh, Death Stranding? Or-
0: exactly, exactly. Yeah. But it's not, you know, it's not like the same as like what we would have gotten. Right. And ev- uh, everybody's really, really mad about that, <laughs> um, because it was it was shape enough to be like a really interesting game, uh, right? So yeah, so folks, yeah, just Google uh, PT, um, you know, Silent Hills or something like that, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll you'll see what I mean. There's there's just like uh, video playthroughs on YouTube and stuff right. like that. It's like really fun. Um, but then you'll know what I'm talking about with the with the radio, right? Um,
1: <laughs> this room is yours to do with as you please. You can choose to escape, but you may never be able to return. Don't let anyone decide for you. Is that Dr. Tanny? <laughs> that was supposed to be my old-timey radio voice, but... <laughs> oh. <okay. laughs>
0: I was just it was like, it's like, man, get a mic in front of this guy, and suddenly he's articulate. He's like, you know, but then he's like, he, he, you know, he exits the the recording booth and it's like, it's like, so how'd that uh, session go, Doctor Tanny? He's like, oh, this, 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 this. <laughs> but yeah, like, like, I don't know where this is from. I tried to find it. Right. Uh, it sounds like maybe a self help thing, <laughs> like one of those one of those like Tony Robbins tapes or okay. something. Uh-huh. And we know, like from the book, we know that Sharon is into all these like forms of like meditation and self discovery, right? She's trying all these religions, so maybe oh, that's gotcha. what this
1: is. Yeah, but know. maybe not a real one. So it feels like I guess if we can't find anything, you know, as we're googling, it's probably that Vladdy wrote it or someone on the production, right? Wrote it, right? Yeah.
0: And then somebody recorded it really quick, right? Right. Because I don't know, like like I have never heard a a self help tape that is more harsh. <laughs> And discordant and, and <laughs> like, like Yeah, that you may never and, return, right? Yeah, like I don't know. But okay, like I also want to talk about the message here because mm-hmm. um it goes back to what I was saying about uh like as as harsh as this voice is and and as um I don't know, threatening as the as the tone makes the words sound, mm-hmm. it goes back to what I was saying about the quietness of good, um, and this hidden story that a lot of people miss, um, mm-hmm. including myself, when I first like you know uh, experienced this story. Um, it, specifically, that part where it says um, you can choose to escape, but you never, but you may never be able to return. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Sharon works for Chris. Carl and Willie work for Chris. Mm-hmm. They can just leave at any time, right? But they don't they're all in it to the end these six people plus reagan mm-hmm. right are at the core of this story they're the ones left they're the ones going up against the final boss not kinderman <laughs> not father dyer not dr klein not dr tanny mm-hmm. this is it this is this is our party these are our heroes and that is the meaning that i take from this little message on the radio, if we are to take any meaning from it at all. Mm. What do you think?
1: Oh, that's great. Again, I'd love to hear from our listeners about an alternate party of, uh, of five people. Uh, let yes, me see what again,
0: that is, yeah. yeah, tell us Tell us what you think. <laughs> um, but yeah, for now, that is all of my notes uh, for this minute. Keenan, is there anything else? No,
1: I think we got it.
0: Okay, folks, this has been another excellent Exorcist Minute. I've been Lester Ryan Clark. You can reach me on all the socials as Lester Ryan Clark.
1: And I've been Keenan Diaz. You can find me on Letterboxd and Instagram as Howdy Keenan. Yeah,
0: we got our listener group, Compelling Conversations. Go check that out and request to join, and le- uh, we'll let you in here with us. Thank you so much to everyone who has shared the show by word of mouth or on social media, and a big thank you to everyone who has given us a five-star ratings on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to our show. Uh, we really appreciate that. It's going to help our little podcast grow and find more cool people like you. All right, Keenan, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I think I am, Lester. Folks, until next time.
1: The, the power, power of rock doodle compels you. Compels you. I wonder if anybody who isn't our exact age even knows what the hell that is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's not even, that's not even a, dis- that's a Don Bluth. It's a Don Bluth.
1: <laughs> oh, wait, is
0: there, is there, um because he likes to put hell in all of his movies. Is there a hell?
1: Well, their, their little farm becomes like a, a watery, you know, hell, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, but
0: you know what, I'm, like like in, in All Dogs Go to Heaven, there's oh, they go, a, they literally a go fucking hell. hell, right? Um. Oh, now I'm thinking of uh, like any other, any other Don Bluth movie, Lester, come on. Cats don't dance. Uh, cats don't dance. Is there a hell in Cats don't <laughs> dance? Maybe not. Yeah. But that has uh, Carl the butler, so I'm happy.
1: <laughs> no, Max, Max. No, it's Max. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> So, yeah, so if you're not our exact age, mm-hmm. Don Bluth would make these movies that uh, in between uh, the release dates of Disney movies right. <laughs> that your parents would have to buy you on VHS uh, uh-huh. because – or else you would throw a fit and burn the house down right. waiting for <laughs> waiting for movies from the Disney Renaissance to come out. Yeah.
0: He's the image that comes to your mind when your parents say, we have Disney at home. <laughs>
1: rock <Rock-a-doodle>. a <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, you know, I mean you could you could say, Keenan, that mm-hmm. uh, that Don Bluth was was kind of the Lucifer of, of <laughs> Disney's heaven.
1: Sure. He's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go make, my own, gonna studio go make my own studio
0: with blackjack and hookers. <laughs> and it's gonna be dark. It's gonna be you, you, you ever you ever hear of the secret of Nim? <laughs> Well, you, no, of course not, because it's a secret. There's going to be like like mice, and right. there's going to be rats, and and the scariest
1: fucking thing is a is an owl, and everyone's going to be fucking ugly. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh yeah, and that's and that's right. Like the uh, like the the, the Obi Wan, the wise old Merlin guy, mm-hmm. is going to look scarier than any else, any other fucking thing in that movie. And you're going to swear that he's a bad guy, right. But he's not. But then he gets crushed under a cinder block. <laughs> Oh yeah, and that's the whole like like it's like oh we I got I got to save the princess oh I gotta I gotta find myself no I gotta go save my family from being crushed under a fucking cinder block. (laughs) I'm John Bluth, Dom DeLuise. You're coming here. You're coming with me.